You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Friday to you. We're going to do some different things here on the podcast today. Obviously, uh, not a normal week with uh, the Bills game being postponed. So the first thing we're going to do is talk about that. In segment two, I want to talk about Corey Bohorquez, Tyler Bass, holding. I got some information from a former NFL kicker about holding that I want to share with you. I want to talk about the defense and the regression of the defense so far this year. And then in segment three, I want to talk about Josh Allen and some specific areas of growth and some numbers that I want to give you that measure some of that growth in critical areas. So that's what you have to look forward to here today, and I appreciate you joining me. Let's start with the big news that the NFL has postponed the Bills-Titans game, and it is being moved to Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time And this is contingent on there not being any more positive tests for the Tennessee Titans. It then moves the Bills' Thursday night football game with the Chiefs to Sunday. And we don't know when on Sunday. could be Sunday night football for all we know. But it is being moved to Sunday, and we don't know what time as of the recording of this podcast. So, sounds like the NFL did what it had to do to get this game played. And there's good and there's bad with this outcome for the Bills. So let's talk about first the good. I guess the first thing I want to mention is that there's no scheduling gymnastics that have to take place later in the season. You're not adding a week 18. You're not messing with the scheduled bye week. You know, you're, you're getting the game in within the week, kind of. So you don't have to deal with anything later on. Everything will be satisfied and solved with the Titans game right here. And you're playing this Titans team with several of their players likely to not be participating given they're up to 12 positive tests on their team and many of those being starters and key players. So you're catching the Titans probably in the worst possible scenario, right? I mean, they're 3-0. and It's an important AFC game. And... um. I guess that piece of it for a road game um, is beneficial to the Bills. And also the Bills have their own share of injuries that they're dealing with right now. I mean, Cole Beasley has a foot injury. John Brown has a calf injury that it looked like he aggravated on Thursday during practice. I'm sure you guys saw that practice video that came out of John Brown catching the football and then kind of hopping on one foot and showing some obvious discomfort with his calf. Cody Ford, the Bills' starting left guard, has a groin injury. Sean McDermott hinted at it uh, during his press conference and said that Cody Ford had battled through some things on the game against the Raiders, and it's come out that he has a groin injury. He's been limited in practice. Zach Moss, the Bills' backup running back, continues to be limited with a toe injury. Uh, And then Andre Roberts, the Bills' starting kick returner, punt returner, he hasn't practiced all week so far with an ankle injury. Oh, by the way, neither has Trey White. He's missed the last two days with a back injury. And Brian Winters didn't practice on Thursday with a knee injury. So the Bills are pretty banged up. Obviously, this gives them some more time to get healthy 
and get their best players available for Tuesday night football. Now, what this does do is opens up the opportunity for playing another meaningful game on Sunday against the Chiefs to include whatever comes out of that Tuesday game in terms of injuries, which are inevitable, on a short week, right? So you have a condensed week now for the Chiefs. Now, that was always going to be the, the case. The Bills were always supposed to play the Chiefs on short rest. But now the Chiefs don't have to play the Bills on short rest. Now they get a full week to prepare. So now as we shift to the bad part of this reschedule, the Bills now have short rest for the Chiefs, and the Chiefs get full rest. The Chiefs are going to play on Sunday. They're going to watch the Bills play on Tuesday night, and then they're going to play the Bills on Sunday. Meanwhile, the Bills are going to play on Tuesday and then have to play again on Sunday. There's a there's a, a rest there's a uh, there's a rest issue here. There's it's not equitable, and uh, I get that's the case a lot of times in the NFL, right? Where sometimes teams have more rest because they played on a Thursday or a Monday or they're coming off a bye. So that's a pretty normal thing in the NFL. But what I kind of liked originally about this Chiefs matchup is that it was both teams on short rest, and now you have one that has significantly more rest to get ready for the game. You know, one thing I'll say about the Chiefs in this whole COVID situation that we've dealt with early in the season is not only do they now get full rest for the Bills game and the Bills get short rest, but they got to face the Patriots with their backup quarterback because Cam Newton had tested positive for COVID and they got to play the Patriots with Brian Hoyer. You know, I think it's funny how that works out. The Chiefs, the current darling of the NFL, has come out smelling like a rose when it comes to these COVID issues. I've been talking about this on Twitter a little bit. A lot of people with a lot of different opinions on this, and I won't get into all of my mentions because they're mostly usually a dumpster fire. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter can be rough sometimes. But somebody said one thing here that kind of helped me gain some important perspective and settle in with my emotions responding to this situation. And it was a simple tweet and it said, too bad, an unfair season is better than no season. And I think that's important. As we work through a very challenging situation with COVID, and obviously we should have great disappointment at the Tennessee Titans for not following protocols and getting together and practicing illegally at high schools and and doing things that were not helpful. We should be very upset with the Titans. They deserve that. But the reality is we always expected there to be some positive tests throughout the league. And we either adapt and deal with it or we don't have football. And so I will agree that an unfair season is better than no season. And I'm I guess we just have to be flexible, and it is what it is. And like Coach McDermott and Brandon Bean said all offseason, it's the teams that handle this the best will come out on top. And the Bills have a moment here where they get a chance to deal with it, right? I mean, firsthand, where a game's getting postponed, it's affecting scheduling for another game, creates an unfair advantage for the Chiefs. But at least we have football even though some of the parameters are unfair. And the one thing I will say, I know we were expecting both teams to have short rest for that Chiefs game. 
but playing on uneven rest in the NFL is the reality of the NFL all the time. Between bye weeks, Thursday night football, Monday night football, rest is not always equal. And we can sit here and moan and be mad about it, but at the end of the day, the show goes on, the game will happen, whether the Bills have equitable rest or not, it counts for a win or a loss. And nobody's ever going to go back and remember, well, the Chiefs had moral rest. It's an important game. you got to handle it in stride. But obviously, we wish it was different. But unfair season is better than no season. So how does this impact our podcast schedule? So here's what we're going to do. Obviously, nothing Saturday and Sunday. On Monday, we're going to do herd mentality. So send in any questions, concerns, takes, whatever you have. Send those in at the Joe Marino on Twitter. You can shoot me a DM or hit me up in my emails, Joe at the draftnetwork.com. That'll be on Monday. Tuesday will be our normal Friday show where um, I'll give you my game predictions. We'll talk to banged up bills. I'll offer any leftover thoughts that I have. Wednesday, we'll react to the game on Tuesday uh, between the Bills and Titans, and hopefully it'll be victory Wednesday. On Thursday, we'll do crossover discussion with Locked On Chiefs, and Friday will be our normal Friday show, except for I'm also going to do the comprehensive primer. So Friday is going to be a big day for the podcast next week. It's going to be comprehensive primer, banged up bills, and my predictions. So that's what I have on tap for you with this podcast. I hope that you won't miss it and that you will hit that subscribe button and stick with me here. Now, the big thing we have to keep in mind is that if the Titans have any more positive tests, then I guess we're back to the drawing board. But as of the recording of this podcast, they don't have any more positive tests. So we'll find out that in the morning. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at a local business. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa. Everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. The next thing I want to get into is holding and punting. Corey Bajorquez. We know we're frustrated with Corey Bajorquez, the punter. He's inconsistent. He's always been inconsistent. He's coming off one of his worst games against the Raiders as a punter. I'm not here to talk to you about his punting. I want to talk about holding because... After Tyler Bass missed that extra point that would have put the Bills up by eight against the Raiders, pictures came out that the laces on that hold were not out. They were in and to the right. And we know that Tyler Bass, one of his other misses in the Jets game, was also a bad hold, a very similar situation. So it made me... Ask the question, well, what's normal? How often do bad holds happen? Should we still expect the kicker to make the field goal if the hold is not ideal? So I reached out to a former NFL kicker, Jake Arians. He actually kicked for the Buffalo Bills. And he's the son of 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach, Bruce Arians. So I sent him a text message. Lucky to work with him at the Draft Network. He uh, does some podcasting and some writing with us. So I sent him a text message with the picture of the hold. And I said, you know, what's up with this? How often does this happen? What should we expect from the kicker? And he responded and said, quote, in the NFL, this should rarely ever happen with any decent holder, maybe once every four-ish games. Guessing he missed high and right. Subconsciously, it's hard not to hit it in the direction the laces are facing. Laces directly at you makes it harder to hit the sweet spot. So now I'm very disappointed in Corey Bajorquez. Not only is he a bad punter, he's a bad holder. He's had holding issues in the past. He's had ball handling issues in the past, and we know specifically twice this year in four games. He's had a bad hold, and we have a rookie kicker that's trying to gain confidence and find his way in the NFL, and the holding's not adequate. Now, I I think we should expect Tyler Bass to sometimes be able to overcome bad holds, and as he gets older in the NFL and more experienced kicking and really in tune with his mechanics, I think we can start expecting that from him, but not in game one and game four. So now this young man's missed three kicks. Two of them were bad holds, and one he may not have even missed. Right? Remember the the Jets game? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he made that kick or not, but Sean McDermott thinks he did. Just worth noting. And I went in on Tyler Bass, and I was disappointed. It was something I didn't like in that game. I've since learned that we should attribute some blame to Corey Bajorquez, but, you know, <laughs> if Corey Bajorquez is an inconsistent punter and an inconsistent holder, that's a disappointment. I've talked in the past. I said, well, if you if you want to upgrade Corey Bajorquez, you're likely not going to be able to do that because all the punters available right now are inconsistent. Well, I will trade an inconsistent punter for an inconsistent punter who can actually hold. (laughs) I'm for that. So, you know, I I think the Bills have to look at this, whether that's getting Matt Barkley involved as a holder. I, I don't know. But we should expect more out of these holds, and it's affecting our rookie kicker. And that's uh, that's pretty disappointing to me. So I wanted to share that feedback that I got from Jake Arians about holders and what we should expect. Now the next thing I want to talk about is the Bills' defense. It's regressed this year. We know that. I want to talk about why I think it's regressed. And I want to talk about statistically how it's regressed, comparing 2019 to 2020. In 2019, the Bills were the number three defense in the NFL, gave up 298 yards per game. This year, they're 20th. They're giving up 381 yards per game. In 2019, they had the number four pass defense, allowing 195 yards per game. This year, they're 27th. They allow 280 yards per game. Rush defense, this is actually pretty similar. Last year, they were 10th in the league, allowing 103 yards a game. This year, they're 8th in the league, allowing 101 yards per game. And then points allowed. Last year, they were the number two scoring defense, allowing 16 Points per game this year, they are 17th and allowing 25 points per game. So they're giving up basically 100 more yards and uh, nine more points per game this year with a heavy amount more 
coming through the air, nearly 100 more passing yards per game. So I want to kind of get into what I discussed on Herd Mentality on Tuesday. It was a long show. I don't know how many people listened all the way through it, but I mentioned why I thought the Bills' defense wasn't playing as well this year. And I want to take the time today to kind of flesh that out a little bit and share that because this defense isn't playing as well, and we didn't expect that. We thought this defense would be at least as good as last year. You know, they lost Jordan Phillips. They lost Shaq Lawson, but the Bills chose to lose those players. They could have brought them back and didn't pay Vernon Butler and Quentin Jefferson and Mario Addison. The Bills thought those were upgrades. They chose to let Phillips and Lawson walk, sign those players, draft A.J. Epinesa. Obviously, Lorenzo Alexander was a loss. They brought in A.J. Klein. But I have six reasons why I think the Bills' defense is not performing as well this year. Number one, I think it starts with figuring out defensive line combinations. Sean McDermott says repeatedly that our defense starts up front. And you have a ton of new pieces working working together on defensive on the defensive line. And I think figuring out the right combination of defensive ends for what situation is something that they're trying to figure out. Same thing with defensive tackle. Star Latoule opted out. Now all of a sudden you got to figure out who the right one tech is to play with who at three tech. And you want to rotate defensive linemen, but you got to find the right groups. And um I think they're they're working on that. I think that takes a little bit of time, and not having a preseason certainly impacted that. Number two, the Bills are playing almost exclusively nickel defense. Not as much against the Raiders, but going into the Raiders game, the first three games of the year, the Bills never played a snap with three linebackers on the field. They want to be a nickel-based defense. And I'm reminded of Joe Biscaglia and him talking about how the Bills really coveted Kyle Duggar. Uh, the safety from Lenore Ryan as this hybrid positionless player that is kind of a nickel specialist. Well, the Patriots took him at 37. He never got to 54. But that big Buffalo nickel type player is needed if you're going to play base nickel defense. And right now, Taron Johnson and Dean Marlowe are kind of sharing that responsibility. Taron Johnson playing a majority of the snaps, but he's not playing well. And I think that they need an upgrade there. And Taron Johnson has been injured a lot, but he's just not, he's not performing well right now, whether that's tackling or in coverage. So if you're base nickel defense, your, your nickel slot corner is a starter for you. And I think that's a spot where is un, the bills are underperforming and, and need an upgrade. Number three injuries to Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds. Obviously they both missed an entire game, but Tremaine Edmonds, I think, is is finally getting right in terms of his shoulder. I think that was a problem for him dating back to the beginning of the Jets game, to be honest with you. Matt Milano's injured again. Got a pectoral injury. Those guys being banged up has forced Tyrell Dotson and A.J. Klein into the lineup, and those guys are significant drop-offs. Number four, crowds. I think defenses need crowds to play their best. Not having crowds helps the offense. They can get their checks done. They can really sell their hard counts. Defense, you've been to football games. Quarterbacks, are they're shushing the crowd. Their hands are waving down. Palms down, waving down. Shh. 
Defensive players are jumping up and down, getting trying to get the crowd into it. Well, that favors the offense if there's no crowd. And defenses across the league are playing bad. I think the Steelers and the Colts are the only team that are teams that are playing good defense. So it's not just like a Bills problem, it's it's an everyone problem. Number 5, I think having a good offense. The Bills now have a good offense. That changes the defense. Teams now offensively are playing with more urgency. They have to score to keep pace with the Bills who are scoring touchdowns. They're more aggressive. They have to score. And so they're being more aggressive. It's it's a big shift. It's It's a change in vantage point for the Bills' defense. Last year, they knew they had to be the unit that carries the team. Now they're playing in a situation where all of a sudden the offense is carrying the team and the opponents have to score or they're going to get embarrassed. I think that certainly changes things, and the Bills have to become more comfortable playing from that perspective. And then lastly, I think the, the team was playing tight. They weren't playing loose, and they weren't playing confident football. I think that changed in the second half against the Raiders. But you have a situation where this defense has been really good, and all of a sudden it's not. And you're playing tight, and you're 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 not playing loose, and you're thinking, oh man, I got to do something here. We're we're under the gun here. We're not playing well. We're not playing to our standards. I have to do more. And I think that really plays into it. I really do. Where when you start to play poorly and you're not used to that, you maybe start pointing fingers. You might try to do more than you can. And you're not playing loose and confident. And football players perform their best when they're playing loose and confident. So hopefully the Bills can kind of find that edge back. I think there's there's something to be said for Josh Norman being inserted into the lineup and him bringing you know, this, this energy to the table that helped kind of reshape the way the Bills were playing defensively not only just to that point in the Raiders game, but to that point in the season. So those are my six points there as to why I think the Bills' defense is regressing. And I think the good news is pretty much all of it's fixable, right? You can figure out defensive line combinations now that you have a bigger sample size to go off of. You can play with combinations in the slot, and hopefully Taron Johnson can play better. The Bills' linebackers will get healthy. I think that they're having now experience playing against teams that know that there's urgency to score. They're used to that vantage point a little bit more, and they started to play loose and confident in the second half against the Raiders. So the good news is I think almost everything I said there outside of the crowds is something that can change and get better this year. But that's uh, that's my explanation for you as to why I think the Bills' defense has regressed so far in 2020. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to help you get ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for watching football. Let's close out this podcast by talking about Josh Allen's growth. And I want to give you some data, I want to give you some numbers here to really appreciate how much better he is. Kind of going into the year, I identified three things that Josh Allen had to get better at. He had to become a more efficient passer. He had to become a better deep ball passer. 
and he needed to be able to handle pressure better. My goodness, has he ever threw four games. Let's start with efficiency. Obviously, his completion percentage is up significantly. He's up from 58.8 as a completion percentage to over 70%. What's impressive about that is obviously the huge growth in number, right? But he's also on pace for way more completions and way more attempts. Josh Allen right now is on pace to complete 149 more completions than he had last year. So we're earlier this year we're trying to figure out uh, how how do you get how do you get targets for all these receivers? How do you keep everyone happy? Well, you complete 12% more of your passes, throw it more, takes care of itself. And and obviously doing it better, you have to be a better passer, but I mean huge gains there. His yards per attempt is up from 6.7 last year to 9 this year. Passer rating from 85.3 to 122.7, his sack percentage is down 2%. In every imaginable way, Josh Allen is becoming more efficient. Completion percentage, completing more passes, yards per attempt, passer rating, sack percentage. How about the deep ball? 2019, 14.8% of Josh Allen's targets were aimed 20 yards or more down the field. This year, 10.8% of his targets are aimed 20 yards or more down the field. That's kind of interesting to me. A 4% drop in attempts 20 yards or more down the field, but I think that comes from Josh Allen being more comfortable just keeping the offense on schedule, and it really does speak to that mindset and approach to each play being different um, and him maturing as a passer. So last year, Josh Allen completed 18 of 68 passes aimed 20 yards or more down the field. That's a completion percentage of... 26% this year, 11 of 16. That's a completion percentage of 69%. He already has 11 completions on passes aimed 20 yards or more down the field. Last year, only 18. He's only seven behind his total for 16 games last year in four games. 589 yards last year, 354 yards already through four games. Passer rating last year on uh, the deep ball, 64.4. This year, 125. And keep in mind that 125 includes that ridiculous interception against the Rams. So if you take that out, his passer rating is going to be damn near perfect. How about pressure? In 2019, Josh Allen completed 41% of his passes under pressure, 5.8 yards per attempt, 60.5 passer rating. This year, 59.1% completions. 8.8 yards per attempt, and a passer rating of 118.3. The guy's up nearly 60 points in passer rating under pressure and three more yards per attempt and almost 20 points higher in completion percentage. We knew he was playing better. You you could watch the games and know that. But I thought kind of taking some time today to to get these numbers out there for you to really appreciate and, and be able to measure that growth was something that I wanted to share with you. The last thing I do want to mention here is how how much less he's reliant on his legs, right? I mean, we used to think about Josh Allen as, you know, think about him in 2018 as a rookie. It was, is anybody open deep? Okay, if so, chuck it. If not, take off and run. Well, so far this year, after the 14 rushing attempts in week one, 
the last two weeks of, of the season against the Rams and, and Raiders, Josh Allen has had the lowest rushing yard outputs for his career against the Rams. He had four rushes for eight yards against the Raiders. He had four rushes for negative one yard. Though, I mean, all of this that we've talked about combined with less reliance on running the football and using his legs. Goodness gracious. The guy has reinvented himself. And one thing that I've said every chance that I can, whether it's been radio spots or podcasts that, that, you know, guest appearances and stuff, when people ask me, why did Josh Allen get better? Why is he better? Because everyone wants to point to so many things. Stefan Diggs, Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, Ken Dorsey, Brandon Bean, continuity. We point to all these different things, and they're all part of it, right? They all matter. The reason Josh Allen is playing so well is because Josh Allen has worked his ass off and got better. Josh Allen is the one who is most responsible for Josh Allen playing at this level and improving. So as much as we want to sit here and and give all this praise to all these very worthy people and reasons why Josh Allen's playing better, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Josh Allen's worked his ass off. And when the Bills drafted him in 2018, he had very real concerns. There's a reason so many people were down on Josh Allen as a prospect. Accuracy was an issue. Mechanics were an issue. Decision-making was an issue. Guys don't often overcome that. Guys rarely ever overcome that. He had real issues. But this man has worked his ass off to get to where he is right now, and Josh Allen's the one who deserves credit for the way Josh Allen's playing right now. He's worked his ass off. Now, he's a lot lot of great support, and that goes into it. Certainly matters. Keep the main thing the main thing, and remember that Josh Allen is the one who was most responsible for Josh Allen playing football right now at an elite level. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today here on the podcast. It's going to do it for us this week on the podcast. Thanks for sticking with me. I know it was a weird week. We were doubting this game and wondering all week long, and we just kind of kept pushing and kind of stayed to the routine as best we could. And as it stands right now, this game is going to be played on Tuesday. So I'm glad we got ready for it. Um, so uh, thanks for sticking with me. I do hope that you will come back and 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 uh, talk Bills football with me again next week. Hit that subscribe button, rate, review, share the podcast. Enjoy football this weekend. And we got the Bills coming on Tuesday so long as the Titans have no more positive tests, which based on the last couple of weeks does not sound like it will be the case. But fingers crossed, and I look forward to catching up with you again on Monday.